How you feeling today, United Church? Everybody feeling good? Come on. What a day, what a day to be in uh, the house of God. Listen, I am so excited because today is Father's Day, and I just want to show some honor. I know it's already been done for the fathers in the room um, today, but can, I just, can we just show some honor to all the fathers who are here? Give it up for them. You guys are amazing. Um, I, I want to say this. I, I want to talk to my dad. My, my dad may be watching this experience right now, and I just want to say thank you so much, Terry, for being um, the, one of the greatest examples for what it looks like to live a life of generosity, and it's because of you that, man, I just know how to give uh, more of myself and how to put others in front of myself. So thank you, Dad, for being amazing. Um, I think we should, can we just give it up for my dad? Would that be, is that all right? Is that all right? Awesome. He's in, he's in North Carolina. I'm sure he would be here if he could, but man, um, today we celebrate Father's Day, and I don't know what your um, perspective or what your viewpoint is of your father, and some of it, sometimes we, we shy away from referring to God as father because sometimes there are different pictures that we have had painted for us when it comes to the word father. And listen, I don't want us to shy away from that anymore because here's what I know is that everything that our earthly father isn't, our heavenly father is. That every shortcoming that we've ever experienced, like on this side of eternity, come on, God knows I'm a, I'm a father and I blow it, uh, not as much as I, I get it right, but like it's, it's, a, it's, it's neck and neck. Come on, if there was like a, a bar graph, I feel like it would be, but like every shortcoming that we have, come on, our heavenly father fulfills that he is for you, that he is with you, and he is a good father. If you believe that today, would you just say yes, amen, something, yeah, it's amazing, it's amazing. Today, I want to start with a story, and uh, this goes all the way back to my freshman year of college. And I, I've talked a lot about um, playing baseball in college, so just kind of go with me if you've heard that story. And so I, I had the opportunity for my freshman all the way through college to, to play baseball. But this happened my freshman year, and we were down um, playing um, during the season. We were down playing in a, in a city called Rome, Georgia. If you've ever been to Rome, Georgia, the, really the only cool thing about Rome, Georgia is they have a Chick-fil-A dwarf house. And uh, it's one of the original Chick-fil-A's. Come on, praise God, somebody. I'm already preaching to somebody right now. Yeah, one of the original Chick-fil-A's. They actually have a breakfast buffet at this Chick-fil-A. And so you know the presence of God has already gone before you when you walk into that place. Um, fun fact, you don't have to pray when you eat Chick-fil-A. It's already blessed. Um, it's already been blessed. And uh, it's a joke. You still pray for your food. But Rome, Georgia. We were down in Rome, Georgia at a college called Shorter College, and uh, I, I was playing, and it was the, it was the um, in between the top of the seventh and the bottom of the seventh, and we were playing doubleheader that day, and so we don't play nine, didn't play nine inning games. We played two seven inning games, much like Major League Baseball does right now, and, uh, and we were coming off of the field, and we were down a few runs, and so we were coming up to hit, and uh, we had to score multiple runs in order for us to be able to go back on the field to play the bottom of the seventh. Now, if you're not into baseball, like, just don't even worry about the next, like, 90 seconds. We'll get to the point of this story in a minute, but for the rest of you, like, there's some, there's some people in here, like, they, like, you talk about baseball, and you're like, <laughs> like, you start, like, it's like a dog, like, you got my attention, right? Like, you know, you're ready. Uh, but, but so I was, I was in the dugout, and I was, I was a catcher, so I'd come off the field, and um, I had started to do the math. And um, I knew that if, if we were going to mount a comeback and be able to go back out in the bottom of the seventh inning, your boy was going to have to go up to the plate. And so I was like, all right, so I'm going to take off my catcher's gear, 
in order to get ready for myself to be able to go up to the plate. I was pumped. I was like, man, if, it's, if it was like a pressure situation, if we're gonna come back, it's gonna be me. And I was like, dun, 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 dun. Like I was ready. I was stepping in. The, I was just excited about getting into the box. What I didn't realize is my coach, the head coach, was he was third base coach when we were on offense, and he was watching me from afar. And when I started to take my catcher's equipment off, Coach Gillespie, me and Coach Gillespie, we're good friends now. My friends are here. We weren't good friends. Come on. I was like, something's wrong with you. You need Jesus. Come on. In the name, in the name of Jesus, be healed, right? <laughs> I, I knew that. But something happened between my freshman and sophomore year. We became friends. Anyways, but that's beside the point. So he sees me, and he thinks I'm like, I'm, I'm quitting on the team. And he's not happy. And so the inning ends. We lose the game. And Coach Gillespie makes his way over to me. And normally we would go out into right field, and, and he would talk to the, the to, to the team, but he says, hey, Wags, that was what they called me, like, Wags, I, I need to talk to you right now, and I could tell, like, he was the guy, you, ever, you know the people that when they get angry, their face gets red, that's the first sign that it's not gonna be good. <laughs> and so he sends the rest of the team out there, and he gets this close to me, the most COVID unfriendly moment in my life, right? And he begins to go off, and it was like five minutes, but it felt like 500 minutes of telling me, Kenneth, you're not as good as you thought you were. You're not as good as I thought you were. Like, I probably wouldn't even give you a scholarship if I would have known that you weren't going to be this good. Like, you were good in high school, but you're not good anymore. And I'm sitting there, and you ever been there where you just get so angry in life, and you don't even, like, mount a comeback? You just start crying? And I'm just like, hmm. And it just like internally like begins, and he wouldn't let me explain myself. I'm freaking out in this moment, and I get into the van after the game, and I'm like, I'm quitting. I'm never playing baseball again. And my friend Davey looked at me and said, shut up. Suck it up. You ain't quitting. <laughs> but Coach Gillespie thought I was quitting on the team. He thought I wasn't ready for the battle that we had found ourselves in. And as I was thinking about Father's Day, as I was thinking about the message that I wanted to preach, I started to think about this. Listen, in our life, most often, it's probably not catcher's equipment in baseball games. But what happens when we're not prepared for the battle that we are in? What happens when we find ourselves ill-prepared or under-prepared for the battle, the spiritual battle that we find ourselves in on a daily basis? I mean, it's one thing when it's baseball. It's a whole other thing when it's your soul. The spiritual battle that we find ourselves in. And Paul, he actually wrote about this in the book of Ephesians. If you have your Bible, you can turn with me uh, to Ephesians chapter six. We're gonna be there in just a moment. And there's a stretch of, of epistles that, that are just incredible. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians that are just so, so good. And Paul is writing in, in, the, in the book of Ephesians and he's writing to the church in Ephesus and Ephesus was one of the more populated cities in, in Paul's times. It was, part, it was a, a populated city on the west coast of, uh, of Asia, and it was, um, it was literally, it was, it was what you would think of as, um, an, it was this amazing city. It was multi-ethnic. It had one of the largest ancient libraries. It had a coliseum that would sit over 20,000 people. Like, we're talking about a couple thousand years ago, 20,000 plus people would come in and watch, like, Olympic-type things going on. It was a, a beautiful place to be. If you were going Zillow back then, it would have been, like, a great place to live. That's what I'm saying. Great place, great place to live. And all this, although the city had a lot to boast about, it was actually um, a great city, but it wasn't a very friendly city to people who were of the Christian faith. And so Paul writes in the, the book of Ephesians to the church in Ephesus. He says, hey, listen, I want you to understand, he wrote up six chapters, he said, I want you to understand something that there's, 
You don't just have to survive in the culture that you live in, you can actually thrive in the culture that you're living in. And I believe that just as relevant as Paul's writings were in the book of Ephesians, I believe that Paul's writings would be just as relevant to us in 2021 for us to understand that we don't just have to survive when it comes to following Jesus. Come on, how many of you know that we can survive, we can thrive, excuse me, and follow Jesus in 2021? We don't have to just put up with culture. Come on, we can set the culture that we can live in. We can actually be trendsetters when it comes to this thing. Like 14 people are clapping by the end of this thing, it's gonna be everybody's clapping. We're gonna be like, yes, let's go. Let's charge the gates of hell with a super soaker. We're gonna do this together, okay? Three, three, okay, less people, awesome. I'm super encouraged with where this is going today. But hey, Ephesians chapter six, Paul is writing and he kind of summates all of this and he gets to this point in chapter six, verse number 10. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And in verse 11, he says, put on the whole armor of God, and I wanna take a time out here because I know that if you grew up in church or you went to Christian school or whatever it is that your upbringing was, that maybe you've heard messages on the armor of God and, 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 and it would be uh, easy for you to check out and I wanna encourage you to not check out, I wanna encourage you to lean in because I don't know about you, when I show up to a place, I always want to take the posture of a student and I want to lean in, God, would you teach me something today? And so that's just my challenge for you. So put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Today I wanna talk to you about this this idea that, that we are in a spiritual battle, and Paul says a lot, but I wanna summarize it like this, that if we're not just going to survive, but we're going to thrive in 2021 and the years beyond, the first thing that you and I must do is you must be aware. You must be aware. Be aware of what, Pastor Kenneth? You've gotta be aware that just as real as there is a God in heaven who loves you, that just as real is that there is a God in heaven who has plans for you, and Jeremiah 29, 11 says that they are good. That just as real as the God that says in Psalm chapter 139 that he knit you together in his mother's, in your mother's womb, that he loves you just as much as he loved, just as real is all that is. Come on, can I tell you that just as real as there is a God in heaven who loves you, there is a devil in hell who hates you. And you must be aware. Jesus actually said in John chapter 10, verse 10, probably the most quoted verse that we ever use here at United Church, says the thief, he's talking about the devil, talking about the enemy, talking about Satan, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Can I let you in on a little, bit, a little secret today? Is that the enemy, Satan, he's not your buddy. Like he's not your friend. And as much as the world would want you to believe that he's your buddy and he's your friend, I was actually talking to somebody, and this will go into the next part of this, but like the show Lucifer, and, and somebody was talking about the show and all this stuff, and I've never seen it, whatever, but, and no shame if you have, but let the Holy Spirit work on your heart. Anyway, but I, I, I was, he said, what you find is that you, you actually start to, to cheer, begin to like kind of root for Lucifer. He's not your friend. Scripture says he came to steal, kill, 
and destroy. But this is what I love what Jesus said. He said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And maybe you wonder like, why do they smile so much at United Church? Come on, because we follow the King of Kings. Come on, he says that I came that they may have a life and have it abundantly. Why do you let guys with jacked up shorts and pulled up socks uh, do pre-experience? <laughs> Come on, because we like to have fun at United Church. Like, why are you gonna have maple bacon donuts, dads, when you walk out of here? Because we like to have fun. Praise God, anybody? Amen, amen. Jesus said, I came to have life and have it abundantly. We love to have fun. We love to follow after Jesus. But Jesus himself, he was talking to Peter. He said this in, in uh, Luke chapter 22. He said, Simon, 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 Peter. He said, Simon, 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 Simon. Let me slow down because I start talking like an auctioneer when I get excited. <laughs> I've had two weeks off and I'm like, I'm like, hmm, I'm ready. Jesus said this, he said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you. You ever felt like Satan just demanded to have you? Like in your brain, in your mind? Like most of the time it's above the shoulders, demanded to have you. That he might sift you like wheat. This is Jesus talking to Peter, the one who he said he would build his church on and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And then Peter himself says in 1 Peter, says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a chihuahua. <laughs> no, like a schnauzer, like a kitty cat. No, he says that your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. He's not your friend. He's not your friend. Why, why do you say be aware, Pastor Ken? I say be aware because research, I was doing research for this message, and research tells me that somewhere between, statistics say between 15 and 40%, I know that's a wide stretch, but somewhere between 15 to 40% of Christians, followers of Jesus, deny the existence of a real devil. I thought that would land a little bit like, oh, that there are people under the sound of my voice that you're like, man, I believe in Jesus. I love, I love Jesus. I'm doing, but between 15 and 40% of us who are in the sound of my voice don't believe that there's a real devil. Can I tell you that just because you don't believe something is true doesn't make it any less true? Like, I can deny the existence of gravity, but if I jump off a building, guess what your boy's gonna do? I'm gonna hit the ground. It's just the reality in so many of us. Listen, if you are a Christian and you've refused to believe the devil is real, you were openly saying that you don't believe scripture is true. And the problem with that is that most Christians aren't familiar enough with the Bible to know what is true or not. And so they base their feelings on assumptions they've had or what someone's told them along the way. The problem with that is that so many of us spend more time on social media than we do in the word of God. And so social media begins to tell us, hey, listen, if it feels good, do it. If that's the way you wanna go, by all means, that must be right. And how dare the word of God try to speak into my life when the word of God should actually be the plumb line instead of Instagram. And I believe this is a, this is a pandemic in and of itself in this culture is, 
is Christians, followers of Jesus, knowledge and understanding of the word of God. And, and here's the challenge. The challenge for most people is that the devil is fighting harder for your destiny than you are. And I wanna look you in the face as your pastor and tell you I want you to fight like crazy for the destiny that God has placed in your life. Because it's not enough for us to just sit back and just to kind of, kind of relax and do our own thing. No, 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 he's fighting and so we must fight. And the devil has done such a sneaky job of lulling us to sleep that he's not real. You've seen this? He's just, he's, he's just not real. I wanna, I wanna show you a picture. This is, this is me and my son, Jace. Come on, the, he's the cutest kid on planet Earth. Um, if you don't think so, don't tell me. Come on, somebody. But Jace, this is me and him. We were on a daddy date um, when we went on vacation and uh, we were at a place called Nacho Hippo. If you're ever down in Myrtle Beach, come on, grab some Nacho Hippo. That's an amazing place to be. But we took that picture so that Sherry, my wife, could see that he was drinking chocolate milk on the daddy date because he don't get that on the mommy date. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> How many of y'all have ever, um, you've seen that app that turns people into cartoons? Maybe you see that, yeah, this is, this is funny. I wanna show you my son. I'm not gonna show you myself, come on. <laughs> you thought so. I'm gonna show you my son made into a cartoon. Look at this kid. Look at that hair. Like he just gets it after me. That's exactly what happened. He's like, you know what? Like I'm just gonna follow after dad when it comes to the hair. And right, but this is so cute when it comes to my, my five-year-old son. This is so amazing when it comes to Jace. Like, we laugh at this, we send this out, we're sending it to family, and they get a good kick out of this. But can I tell you, the exact same thing that we did on our app to Jace is the exact same thing that begins to happen with the enemy in our life. Is that media has begun to lull us to sleep, to trivialize and to, to, to cartoonize the enemy. He's been made like to seem like he's just, again, like he's your buddy, like he's used as a mascot, like he's made to seem like he's the freaky guy with the tights and the little pitchfork. No, he's not the weird guy with too tight of red tights on. He's the one that's coming after your soul. And we've trivialized this, we've made this seem like it's just not a big deal. Jesus said he came to steal, kill, and destroy him. For those who he hasn't been able to convince he's not real, he's able to convince you that he's not a threat, he's done his job. And while he's done that, he's also normalized and tried to normalize everything that comes along with his deception as well. Church, this is what media is doing to us. I don't wanna just talk to you, but media is doing to us. And I'm gonna step into this, and today I'm giving media a really tough go at it, so if you're a part of the media, I'm sorry, not sorry. But the media has done this. They have trivialized Satan, and they have normalized sin. Let me say that again. The, the media in our world, like the things that are being shoved down our throat, Every time we open up a news app, every time we, especially right now, we walk into a store, come on, they are trivializing Satan and they are normalizing sin. And I believe it is something that we have to stand up against as a church because the world has told us if it feels good, do it. If you want to be, you can. Don't worry about fighting sin. Don't worry about, especially that sin, whatever that sin is for you. We see, it in, we see it with sex, we see it with pleasure, we see it with gender, we see it with life as a whole, trivializing Satan, 
normalizing sin. I was in Barnes and Nobles just yesterday and my son loves to go up to the kids section and look through all the books. And I just wanna qualify this, if you are If you live a homosexual lifestyle, I want you to understand that you are more than welcome in this place. We love you with all of our heart, but I love you enough to tell you that scripture does not align with your lifestyle. And what the enemy has done is normalized sin. There was an entire section, my son is five years old, and there's an entire section on homosexuality, and there was one book in particular that I was looking through called The Gay BCs. And my heart began to break because my son my son, I'm, I'm like trying to like not, not shield him from this because he needs to know how to face this and how to face it with truth. But I will not trivialize Satan and I will not normalize sin for him in his life. I, I will, I, and I, I don't mean that. I'm just telling you today that we must be aware. We've gotta be aware. And I know that some of you are offended because you didn't know where we stood, but can I tell you, we are lovers of all people, but I love you enough to tell you that when your lifestyle overlaps with what God calls sin, I will tell you because I love you that much. I will, I tell, I love you so much. Ephesians chapter six, verse 12, it continues, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Check out verse 13. Therefore, Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, to stand firm. And he continues on and he starts to introduce all of the pieces of armor. He says, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. The first thing you gotta do is you gotta be aware, but the second thing you gotta do is you have to be prepared. You gotta be prepared. Why is it important to be prepared, Pastor Kenneth? Because you will lose every battle that you are not prepared for. 100% of the battles that you are not prepared for, you will lose. So what can you and I do to defeat the enemy? What can you and I do in 2021? If Pastor Kenneth, you're telling me that media is coming at me, like what can I do to be prepared for this onslaught that is coming at me? And Paul tells us it's to put on the full armor of God. I brought a little depiction of this, a little bit illustration. Um, This makes me think of 300. And when I think of 300, come on, I wanna eat brisket and I wanna run through walls. That's, that's what I, I want to just like in, get some beef jerky and just like just go. That's what I want to do. But this is what kind of Paul was setting this up. He was showing us that, that this is the, the way that we should be prepared. And the first thing that he shows us is this, is that he put, says put on the belt of truth. Put on the belt of truth. And it was intriguing to me. It was intriguing to me to, 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 to see that the truth is the first piece of armor. Like, like, why would truth be the first piece of, why would the belt, like, that doesn't seem very, like, um, strategic, right? Like, I would, like, the axe of truth. Come on, somebody. Like, I need something, like, the, 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 the flaming darts of, of truth. Like, I, I'm imagining it would be, but he says, the belt of truth. 
The reason this is so important, Jesus says in John chapter eight, verse 44, talking about Satan, it says when he lies, speaking of Satan, when he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Sir, can I tell you that woman at work is no greater than your wife, you've just been listening to the father of lies. Lady, I wanna tell you that the, the guy that keeps DMing you, he's no better than your husband. Come on, he pees and poops just like him. <laughs> Let's just keep it real. He puts his pant leg on one at a time, doesn't jump into him, not Superman. But you've been listening to the father of lies. It says he speaks out of his own character because that's his native language. So how do you combat those lies? How do we come against that? It's with the truth. And what's the truth? The truth is is God's word. David Chadwick said this. He said, every other piece of the full armor of God is attached to the belt of truth. I found this interesting. I didn't know this. It's all attached. And if you don't begin with truth, you'll never defeat the enemy. And Jesus said, God's word is true. Church, this is why I'm so passionate about Lamp and Light this year. We've dedicated this entire year, if you're new here at United Church, we've dedicated the entire year of 2021 to being, to reading the New Testament as a church. This is why I'm so passionate about the word of God because I truly believe that everything in your life will flow out of your consistency or your inconsistency in the word of God. What does the word do? The word tells you who you are. It reminds you whose you are. It tells you which way to go. It encourages you when you feel down. It points you to celebrate when things are up. Your knowledge of the word of God will shape your entire life. And Paul says this, the first way you can be prepared is to buckle the belt of truth. He continues with this next piece. He says, you gotta put on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate is so cool because the breastplate is what covers your most vital organs. It's what covers the most vital organs, and it's interesting that that the breastplate is is attached to righteousness, and the word righteous is defined like this, to be made right with God. To be made right with God. I, I find this so interesting that the thing that covers us is not anything that's of us, it's what's been given to us by God. There was a commentary that said it like this. It says, since our armor, let me, let me I wanna make sure you get this, so I'm gonna slow down. Since our armor reflects our enemy's nature. So the thing that we wear to fight against the enemy shows how the enemy is going to try to come at us. We on the same page? Since our armor reflects, sometimes I forget that I've had like a couple weeks to study this and people like the first time they're here and I'm like, go past it, but here we go. Since our armor reflects our enemy's nature, the presence of a breastplate of righteousness reveals the enemy's propensity to use unrighteousness to destroy God's people. And it shows me that the very thing that the enemy will try to use against me is the very thing that Jesus gave to me. I'm so thankful that when Jesus looks at me, that when I accepted Jesus Christ as my savior, that I was able to put on his righteousness and not my own. That when I blow it, when I screw up, when I fall short, come on, it's not God in heaven who is looking down at me and seeing Kenneth Wagner, the screw up. No, he sees the breastplate of righteousness and he sees his son, Jesus, who has perfected me and given me the breastplate of righteousness. Paul, Paul wrote about that too in 2 Corinthians Chapter five, verse 21, he says, for our sake, you and us, all of us, he made him, who's him, Jesus, he made Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin, he was perfect, spotless, amazing, so that in him, we might become the righteousness 
of God. Come on, this is great news today. That you and I are, if we are in Christ, that you and I are the righteousness of God. That we can put on the breastplate of righteousness. The next piece of armor that he gives us is shoes of the gospel of peace. And this is how I know Paul is a good dude. Many of you know, I love, I love shoes. Just a small hobby of mine. And I, I love them. And, and when I was thinking about this, shoes of the gospel of peace, I, I have to, I, I was thinking, I, I give shoes, I give shoes as a gift a lot. And people are like, why do you give shoes as a gift so much? And, and this is kind of, it's kind of like um, twofold. I, I love to give shoes as a gift because I love when people put on the shoes, I love for them to think about me. That's really weird, I know, I get it but I want them not to just think about me, like who I am, but I want them to think about the generosity that I have displayed toward them, so maybe that generosity would go to another person. Does this make sense? One of my favorite gifts to get is shoes. I just got a pair the other day that was designed specifically for me, one of my friends, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing, there's not another pair in the world like this. When I put on my uh, boots, that I, a pair of boots that I have, I think of my mom because she bought them for me for Christmas. When I put on another pair, I think of Sherry. And I started thinking about why did Paul call this the shoes of the gospel of peace? And I have to think that Paul called it that because every time that you put on your shoes, that you would be reminded of the gospel of peace that Jesus gave you and I. That we would be reminded every time we put on our shoes of the gospel of peace, that you and I would be reminded of what Jesus did for you and I on the cross because the gospel of Jesus Christ, come on, it gives you motive and it gives you message. It propels you forward and it sends you into the future. Come on, you want to thrive in 2021? You have a message in your soul that must come out. And it may not be, and it may not be you standing on a street corner, please God, don't let it be, standing on a street corner with a bullhorn telling people they're going to hell, but it may look like you going through growth track and standing out front to provide a life-giving experience like the people that have provided it for you. Like it's gotta come out. Like when you've been changed by the gospel, you're like, it's gotta go, well, I don't wanna be out front. Well, maybe you can be back with United Kids teaching them Jesus on their level, whatever it is. Come on, the gospel, it wells up inside of you and it must come I'm so thankful for the gospel that I'm reminded of what Jesus did for me every single day. But he continues with this. He says, the shield of faith. The shield of faith. And I love this one. The shield is kind of like bad butt. You know what I'm saying? Like it's got the spear. It keeps you from the spear. It keeps you from the arrows. It keeps you safe. And what I have found so often, when I, when I think of this, when the shield of the faith, the opposite of faith is, is doubt. And I don't know about you in your life, but I found this to be true in my life, is the enemy will, will shoot little arrows of doubt, just trying to make you doubt like what's going on in your life, the direction that you've taken, the, the faith that you have. And I love that he gives us the shield of faith. Listen, doubt doesn't mean that something's wrong with your relationship with Jesus. It means that you're exercising your faith. So don't let the enemy throw you into condemnation to feel like something's wrong with you because you've experienced doubt. No, no, you're just exercising your faith. You're like, listen, you can throw all the darts that you want to, bring the biggest spear you got, come on, because I got the shield of faith and it comes from Jesus and it's gonna outmatch anything that the enemy's gonna try to bring at me. So I'm just feeling a little bold today. I feel a little bold to, to be able to carry that shield of faith. He continues on, he says this, he says, the helmet of salvation. And I have to, I have to tell you this, the helmet of salvation is my favorite. Because the helmet of salvation, it protects what? Your, it protects your head, it protects your mind. And I don't know 
what your life is like, but there are times in my life where my thoughts wreak havoc right here. There are times in my life where like, man, I, I am so, like I have so many feelings going on, so many emotions going on, so many thoughts happening up here. But I love that Paul says in the, that one of the pieces of the armor of God is the helmet of salvation. And so when you start chasing all these feelings that God's mad at you, God's frustrated with you, like you have all these feelings that God's not, he's not proud of you, that God's like, like oh, he's abandoned you, all these things that, 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 that your feelings will try to make you feel. Sometimes when you are, are facing feelings, you have to come on, you've gotta face those feelings with the promises of God. You've gotta put them on your hands and say, listen, I know I'm feeling this, but I know what the word of God says. Paul says in Romans chapter eight, he says, for I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present or things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. What is Paul saying? There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Come on, he says from the love of God, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Come on, when those thoughts start swirling, come on, rest on his promises, which leads me to the last piece of the armor, which is the sword of the spirit, which he says, which is the word of God. And so he starts with the belt of truth, talking about the word of God, and he ends with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Is it coincidence that he starts and finishes with the word? Church, I don't believe so. Church, I don't believe that we could put enough emphasis on the word of God. In a world that is shifting, in a world that is changing, in a world that matter of fact just seems like it's going crazy, come on, it is the anchor for my soul. It is the true north for me when I don't know which way is up. Paul says, listen, you gotta put the belt of truth on, but you also gotta get the sword of the spirit, which is Word of God, if you look at every single time Jesus, after he was baptized, he was led into the desert and he was tempted. What did Jesus do every single time he was tempted? He confronted Satan with what? Good thoughts, philosophies, some of the thoughts of the Stoics, with the Word of God. Paul finishes this thought process in verse 19. He says, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak Paul says look you, you got to be aware that there is a there's a real enemy you got to be aware no matter whether you believe it to be true or not it's for real he said the better news is you can be prepared like anything that the enemy tries to bring at you it's going to be it's gonna be shot down because what the, the Lord has given you in, in, in terms of equipping you. But the last thing he says is you gotta be bold. You got to be bold. Can I just look you in the face today, every single one of you who are here today? And as your pastor, can I commission you to live boldly? Right? The enemy's not pulling any punches on coming boldly at you, so why should we pull any punches at coming to him? I wanna just commission you to be 
bold. Look at all this. Look at this. The, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, the helmet of salvation. Maybe you've seen this before. Maybe it'll be the first time that you've ever heard it. But all of the armor, every single piece of the armor. When I say all, I mean all. Every single piece of the armor is forward facing that this spiritual battle that you are on is meant to be faced forward. There is nothing on your back that is meant for retreat. Come on, we are to come at the enemy, not in our strength, come on, but in the strength of Jesus Christ. I just wanna encourage you today, and this may sound a little violent, I, love, I just want to kick the enemy in the face. Like, I get so sick and tired. I get so sick. I was just talking to somebody this week, and they were telling me about a, a pastor who had a moral failure. And, man, man, it is so sad to me because there are people that put pastors on pedestals. Like, they will never have a bad day. Like, they will never fall. But what I want to do is I don't want to just get angry at the pastor. I want to take the enemy out back, and I'm going to kick him in the face. I'm sick and tired of it. I'm sick and tired of it. And today, I just wonder what would happen if we started battling against him as hard as he was battling against us. We said, listen, I'm not gonna mess around. I'm not gonna sissyfoot around and let you take any ground from me or my family. I'm taking the ground back and I'm not running away. I'm facing forward because I got the sword of the spirit. Bring it, which is the word of God. What if we begin to familiarize ourselves with the word of God even more so whatever situation came at us, that we had a scripture in response for that. Jesus, today, I, I just, I believe that something's shifting in our church. I've been feeling it for months, and I believe that we are seeing something shift, a group of people that aren't gonna say, listen, I'm just gonna be carried along by the current of culture. No, no, I'm not gonna let culture carry me anywhere. I'm gonna decide where me and my family are going because that's how I'm gonna stand. I'm going to be bold in my faith. Is anybody with me today? Anybody with me today? Cool, cool. Paul finishes, and this is actually where he started, but I wanna finish with this today. He says, finally, be strong and in, the, in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Finally, be strong in the Lord, in the strength of his might. I know you don't have the strength, but thank you, Jesus, we have his. When we don't have the strength to carry on, come on, he gives us the strength to step into any battle. Let, let me just say this today. I'm not the type of person that, that sees the devil behind every doorway. Like when I pull into a, a parking lot and my corner park's taken, I'm not like, oh gosh, this is spiritual warfare right now. No, I just got there late. Like I don't walk into Walmart or wherever I'm shopping and I'm like walking to get some King's Hawaiian rolls. Come on, I'm preaching, I'm like, yeah, go, go get some King's. And they're out and I'm like, oh, the, the enemy's really just, he's coming at me today. And maybe it's the Lord trying to tell me, just eat the meat, brother. Just leave the bread aside, come on. But I think it's time as followers of Jesus that we take an inventory of our lives. It's time that we look at what our family is being exposed to. Let me just give you an example, and this is not prescriptive. I'm just telling you what's happening this week. I was, um, my son's been playing uh, apps on, on Sherry's phone when, when we're trying to shop, because Lord knows when you got a five-year-old, 
and they ain't got nothing. Like they are, you're like, you, you don't even see anything. You're like, stop, stop this. Don't do that. Stop doing that. You're like, oh gosh, let's just leave. That's, that's what you want to do. And this may sound like, this might be crazy to you, but I'm just telling you what, what's happening for me. It's not even the games that they're playing. It's the ads that are going on in between the games that they're playing. And you may think, oh, that's crazy, Pastor Ken, that's crazy. No, no, listen, I, I'm gonna... I'm gonna be aware and be prepared and be bold for everything that my son's being exposed to because it's not enough for me. Oh, he just sees violence or he sees sexuality just played this way or he, he, it's just, it's okay. That's just the way the world goes. No, that's not the way that world has to go. Like I have say over this. And today I believe that we have a church, majority of people were saying, listen, I wanna take back ground that I believe the enemy's taken and I'm gonna be bold. I'm gonna be bold and I'm not just going to survive in 2021, I'm going to thrive in 2021 because I'm going to rest on the word of God. I'm going to, I'm going to put on the full armor of God. Don't do it. Don't go into this fight without the full armor of God. But if you do, and you're strong in the strength of the Lord, you and I, we will win. I've read the end of the story. Oh, come on. I've already read the end. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. I'm just rambling at this point, but that's okay. Spoiler alert, Jesus wins. So no matter how crazy the world gets, at the end, I've read it. <laughs> he wins. And so until we wait, let's win. Let me pray for you today. Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Oh God, thank you so much for making us aware that we have an enemy. But God, thank you so much for giving us the armor we need to fight every battle that we're in. So Jesus, today, we ask that we would fight in your strength and not our own. God, we're so grateful that you make us aware. God, we're so grateful for everything that you prepare us for. God, so today, help us to be bold. Jesus, we're taking back ground today. It's in your powerful name we pray.